Hey folks, this is Jesse. Hi, this is Helen. And we're Asian bitches down under, and guess what? We're what? right in front of each other. <laughs> yeah, recording. very rare. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. So we don't have video recording this week because uh, for some reasons <laughs> we had technical difficulties yeah. yesterday. Well, it was my fault. <laughs> That's all right. Where I live. <laughs> Internet dropout. Yeah, so. Uh, where I live in the city compared to Helen. <laughs> I know, Sydney City. If yeah. you think about it. Unreliable. The um, internet speed for Australia, it's always not the best in the world. Yeah, right. I actually don't know about yeah. uh, like where, what it's like in the um, other uh, developed countries. Well, anyway, so uh, it just happens that I'm in city since last night. So I crashed in, uh, into Jesse's place with my young daughter. Uh, we went to an event, which is very nice. I might talk about it a bit later in okay. our later episodes. Yeah. Um, but today, what would you like to start with, Jess? Um, I want to talk about, uh, well, I went to Melbourne this week. I think uh-huh. I'll kick off with that yes. um, for the Being nice. Seen conference. Um, so ACME, if you guys don't know, is the, um, it, used to be called, it used to be called the Australian, I actually don't know what it stands for. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. But basically, if you're in Australia, you probably know ACME um, in Melbourne, um, the Centre for Cultural Arts Museum something like that (laughs) but it's like the media place you Mm -hmm. know and they have exhibits about um they have exhibitions about um film and television okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. nice screen stuff basically Uh uh um and obviously this was the big um uh big opening um kind of um exhibition tie-in um that was opened by Gina Davis. Ooh, so it was a nice. collaboration between the um, Australian, the American Embassy here in Australia with the um, Gina Davis Found it, uh, Institute for Gender on Media, in mm-hmm, media, mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I'm sure we've all talked about enough on this podcast. Um, and so this day was, I was lucky enough to um, fly to Melbourne for, to cover the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically a day of panel discussions um, arranging from, um, you know, sessions titled... Uh, seeing Ourselves on Screen, which featured uh, Indian-Australian actor, including um, Pavi Shrada, who is the, basically the key role, main lead of The Twelve. Remember The Twelve? Ah, uh, yes, Yeah, I remember yes. that absolutely uh-huh. beautiful Indian-Australian... Yeah, she, yeah, she was there. Yeah. I've uh-huh. a fucking stunner. Nice. She's so uh-huh. incredible. Um, and Elaine Crombie, who's an actor, Indigenous actor... Julie, Dr. Julie Peters, who's a trans mm-hmm. actor, mm-hmm. Um, and then um, other, yeah, so that session talked about, like, um, what it means to be someone of colour on the screen mm-hmm. and how hard it is, and mm-hmm. and then there was Gina Davis who gave a long, like, half an hour speech wow. about um, s- stuff she talks about in her memoir, Dying of Politeness, which mm-hmm. came out, I think, last year, okay. didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't Did know you know? Yeah, no, yeah. Okay. Um, and then there was a panel on, called Aging on Screen, which featured Sigrid Thornton, who we all know. Um, Rachel Griffith was also there, but oh, she wasn't okay. on the panel. She okay. was there to give an introduction uh-huh. to the day. Um, and uh, and then the, uh, another session called Bodies on Screen, which had disabled people talking mm. about, you know, oh, the, nice. the uh-huh. gross lack of representation yes. on the screen. They talked about latecomers, you know, the SCBS. Yes, yeah, yes, so, that. yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, mostly what I wanted to say as a wrap-up was, like, I, I, was, I was happy that I was there. I was privileged to hear so many amazing people. But I swear by the end of it, hell, I um, was... 
really really exhausted in the way that often every time I go to events about feminists um, or anything to do with kind of like fighting for representation it's yes. just like really really um, physically exhausting because like mm -hmm. um, often with these platforms um, what happens on these days is um, I'm all for women getting together and talking about the reality of how hard it is to be taken seriously as an artist but um me myself as a someone who's there to hear them it um it i, I won't deny the fact that it's extremely exhausting yes. because often what happens is um they talk about how um their own private traumas or griefs or like the way in which you know they they were um jilted or the insults that they are thrown you know like just hearing four or five hours of people's personal trauma mm -hmm. is really it's very tiring it's very tiring yeah. it's very tiring. i'm not I, I just wanted to tell listeners i'm not dissing the event at all i think it's great that acme have done this and i think um we can only benefit from more of these obviously mm -hmm. but i just um as a personal um person who goes there as a member of the public to listen to that i just felt next time if I was going to attend these events I would be more careful with like maybe just maybe picking one or two instead of going to every, every single one of them I, I mean I, I had to, I did it because A um, um, I was privileged enough to be able to cover it for my job mm -hmm. you know at Women's Agenda so I'm glad I could do that um, and um, B I'm genuinely interested in this because I you know I'm a film buff I yes. I, I yes love film and film is my first love and you know of course i'm going to be interested in what it means for women to make films mm. you know so um but but yeah um it was just like the, I, I guess i'm just saying it outside of my role as um someone who's who was covering it um just um as a member of the public i found it um extremely like because also i'm a very empathetic person and so like often when when they people would on the um stage talking about their private traumas like um we'll yeah that. we yeah i got teary of course like yes. it's just like awful some yes. of the stuff like um carly you know um everyone knows the brilliant carly finlay the um writer speaker and appearance activist mm -hmm. and she was talking about like um often people like she she would she would say the, she had moments in her life where uh, kids would come up to her and just be like, "Oh, you're uh, you're evil or something like you're the bad guy because yeah because yeah. of her face and on in Disney films all the bad 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 villains are like yes. facially disformed mm -hmm. somehow mm -hmm. you know um, yeah so yeah I think you made a good point about empathy when listening to these stories but it depends on individuals as well because both of us well I believe both of us are very Empathetic we're we're, we're too ex empathetic, yeah, and I can't the, help it. We're on the very extreme yeah. spectrum of empath feeling empathy, and and I understand people sharing stories like that is to provoke people's empathy. That's a, that's a thing that we need. But um, should we move on to how how do how should we pivot this kind of program into a more positive? I'm not saying that sharing stories are not positive, but... Are you saying, like, what's next? Yeah, what's next? Yeah. Because sharing stories is the beginning, but you, you create an atmosphere of full of negative energies. Because at the end of the day, it is really negative how you feel afterwards. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you think that they can pivot that kind of program into... Well, how do we make change? Yeah, yeah how do yeah. we make change 
and instead of continue to share stories where to go from there yeah because you do need to have a redirection to make it better yeah isn't it well yeah, yeah i think um it's often like it's like it's like the same kind of phenomena when you go you know the all about women festival at the opera mm-hmm. house yeah like it always feels always feel the same yeah it's yeah. always the same always the same yeah. um, it's the people who are already converts the with feminists who go to there go, and listen yes. yeah and yeah. i think it's a place of solidarity i get it uh-huh. but the people who are going to actually make change are never there you know so the people who are who have the, a pow- power, the power to make change, to change. Yeah. so yeah. so the structural changes that are needed to make a difference in terms of representation and more women on screen um you know um key filmmakers and um key funding bodies mm-hmm. they were probably not there um mm-hmm. they when they should be yes. um and um yeah like the crowd they were like it was kind of like a mix i have to say i um there was a good healthy crowd i'd say 200 to 300 people there mm-hmm. um at the conference in melbourne mm-hmm. at acme on wednesday um there was um i saw either like um i saw either uh like older women or women over 50 um mm-hmm. who were all really well dressed and then there were like the other crowd the other crowd was like young 20 21 year old like actors or mm-hmm. like um up and coming actors yes. and um i'd say um in the crowd uh, i probably saw i don't think i even saw one man in the crowd oh. i have to say i saw like Jeez. men i saw uh, like maybe one or two men around the hall the cinema hall where it was held um but the only but the only men uh, i saw were like the tech guys at the back of the sound sound stuff yeah no i did i i I, like i say i don't think i saw one single man at this event i'm not saying there weren't any men i just visually cast my eyes over um didn't see a man i also didn't see many asians um didn't see a lot of women of color i have to say mostly white women yeah yeah but you've got to come back and think about it this kind of event uh how how exposed is it to other cultures yeah you know like how are diverse background cultures institutions know about these events and can they afford it as well yeah but yeah it, it, did you because you're you, you were i um, you were there for the i was work. there for the work I so they how much yeah, pay for me but um a ticket charged. a full ticket for the whole day of five panels was 250 dollars. yeah see yeah that's not like, cheap if you're in the acting industry most actors struggle to yeah. survive yeah yeah how are they going to you know pay for yeah. these events yeah you know it comes back to kind of like a catch-22 i remember you know i went to these events as a young person i remember going to events very early in my life as like a 20 year old yeah and um, i remember being powered by these events because Mm -hmm. it was like oh it was useful to know what older other older women like Mm -hmm. um, women who you know had years and decades and decades of experiences to it was useful to listen to their experiences because then you can kind of adjust your expectations right yeah as you go through life as a woman as a woman artist but i think now as a 35 year old i'm kind of just like nothing's changed i'm exhausted (laughs) like you know i'm like it's 15 years now from when i first entered these spaces Mm -hmm. and like it's just it's 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 exhausting you know and, and also there's a really particular kind of grief i feel when you see someone like gina davis who is white able-bodied absolutely beautiful talk about the ways that she was marginalized you know it's like yeah. you have it's it's like the same feeling i had when i watched britney spears documentaries it's like this uh, woman has absolutely everything, everything. and yet yeah. still 
yeah. she's fucked over, yeah. you know, because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that is a really private, really specific grief you feel when you hear those yeah. because you're like, well, I'm Asian. Like, I have different types we of... We have less... Um, power. power. Yeah, we're capital. Power. Yeah. 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 And, like, and, and, and this is me speaking as an even as an able-bodied woman, mm. you know? So... Um, right. I think the my favorite my favorite um, panel of the day was probably um, bodies on screen, which was um, the one with Carly Finlay, mm. um, Taryn Brumfit, who is the Australian of the Year this twenty twenty three, Milo Harthill, who's a twenty two year old actor, um, BOM host queer and radical body acceptance advocate mm-hmm. she was um the funniest i'd say okay. i really i really like people who are just completely themselves on stage nice. and amy marks who's a filmmaker and disability active um activist mm-hmm. activist um and um they they just spoke about the importance and the sort of um how crazy it is that you know in australia and also in america one in four people have, are disabled mm. um, and yet we never see any yeah they're you know, almost invisible yeah completely and, and also on the screen, screen often yeah. people are just thin you never see any fat uh, bodies yeah on the screen yeah you don't see average bodies yeah it's just it's it's a place where they create a fantasy that not a lot of people can achieve yeah, I think that's what happens. Yeah, and there's this one thing that Amy... Just one final thing before I wrap up this convo. Um, and one thing that Amy Marks said that really changed my thoughts about, um, I guess, able-bodiedism. Um, she said, like, um, kind of something towards the li- line of, like, um, we need to create more stories um, of disabled bodies because everybody will be disabled you're, you guys are just not disabled yet kind of thing yeah, and I was like I know I was like yeah. oh yeah that's right like we're all going to be somehow disabled one day somehow you know yeah like it's the most some, yeah. it's the most kind of like universal experience because like right. we, you and I we can't one day become black or we can't one day become um queer maybe we will one day become queer but like if we come to our realization if we if we yeah well like um it's like we can't really change our sexuality but like um disability like able-bodism that will change that that can affect anyone you know Mm -hmm. so that like that kind of what she said was like oh yeah like it made me just think yeah i think it will become more aware for people because with the aging population and the events of technology that prolongs people's life but not prolong people's quality of, of life, life necessarily yep. yeah yeah that's right yeah well interesting yeah thank you for sharing and, and yeah. also you know how i always say i don't like melbourne um <laughs> yeah. and i feel bad about that because um i this time i realized um melbourne has its perks mm. I, I guess that's a wrong word because melbourne is not very perky melbourne is grungy and like the palette is dark like uh so i walked i i basically um i got there at like um 7 30 in the morning i took Mm -hmm. a 6 a.m flight um shout out to my amazing partner who drove me to the airport (laughs) at 5 4 a.m yeah um and um and uh got there at seven and then when i walked to acme it's in the middle of the city Mm -hmm. um near flinder station um, it was like 8.30 mm-hmm. in the morning and there was this one moment where I was crossing a really big, large intersection and there was a, like 500 people coming like across mm-hmm. the street and like all of them were wearing black. Really? Like Mel- well, Melbournians just love black. 
um yeah it's like i was like and then when i walked through the laneways like everything was kind of grungy and black and i was like melbourne has a very dark palette <laughs> and it's just like maybe it's just like it feels like weather. yeah it feels like it's like a, a melbourne is like an emo emo person oh, yeah, yeah with a beanie personality. yeah personality we like okay, we, okay, yeah that. we like you know i remember i've said this on the pod before melbourne is like the you know the um uh, the kid at school who like wears baggy pants and um and has long hair with a beanie and has headphones on and Dark eyeliners. yeah the, and likes um the velvet underground and um sydney is like the shallow perky blonde called oh, stacy yes. <laughs> who gets her hair bleached in the summer and you know doesn't read <laughs> oh it's so funny how you describe it yeah anything else um no um how was your week Okay, so this week, uh, it's the final week of term one, so my kids have so many activities, end of the term performance, things like that. Um, so I went to one of the concerts which my son was in, performing. Um, I usually don't read, or I don't find out the program entry that I arrive at the concert, which is like 6.30 mm-hmm. in the evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I found out that half of the concert is on Requiem. I can't remember. Is that Mozart's Requiem? No, it's not even Mozart's Requiem. Who's Requiem? I can't even remember the name. Okay, it's, yeah. It's like That's how cont- interested Helen was. <laughs> it was It was like a contemporary composer. So oh. 1900s. <laughs> so it was... I, I don't know... Only, probably only Mozart's Requiem that I can sit through it. That anyone knows, yeah. Yeah, or anyone knows, but, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Requiem is like a mass... At the funeral. Music ...that you play at the funeral, yeah. yeah, for the prayers of the dead. Yeah. So it's not the best... Sort Cheering of music. Yeah, for high school students to play. Jeez, and it's depressing. It, was, it went on for 40 minutes. The whole Requiem. Yeah, the whole Requiem, and they had... Uh, Latin choir piece in between as well so it was gosh it's such it was such a negative energy coming out from it I mean the only place I want to listen to work is at the church and that's it yeah yeah. I mean and we don't go to church at all you know maybe funerals in the very near near future or something like that but I just wonder why composers feel the need to write recreate you know what I have a theory. Uh-huh, I think it's because like um, it's very solemn and serious, and it's the easiest way to be taken oh, seriously. Because it's like, yes. uh, oh, I'm writing a, f- I'm writing a piece about death. You know, I'm making yeah. a statement that's profound. There's so much profundity yeah. around death around death. Is such yeah, a philosophical. Yeah, topic. I think. Yeah. It, um, yeah, and and you know, in the way that often when you're younger, I know myself when I was in my early twenties, I was obsessed with reading poetry about death, mm-hmm. and I think it was something to do with like um. Some uh, like I think it's just a stage you go through in your life where you 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 think oh um, death equals profundity, mm-hmm. and when you're young you want to find profound things mm-hmm. you know kind of thing because profundity equals seriousness and yes. when you're young all you want to do is be to be taken Take seriously. seriously yeah yes yeah hi there. If you're new to our show, thanks for tuning in into our program and we hope you will stay with us for a very long time. And if you are a regular listener, we're forever grateful for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. 
It has really helped this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of people who look like us, who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple, Google or Spotify and leave a rating and review. And of course, as a small podcast program, we rely on listeners' support to continue this work. Please do check out our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation in order for us to continue to advocate the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Well, anyway, yeah, that was my week. I, I don't even know if it's a highlight. Oh, actually, for highlight-wise, I'm probably going to share with my cultural consumption. Do you want to start first? Oh, okay. Um, well, I um, have been taking a deep dive, as I've said, into David Fincher films. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we did... Um, so we've done seven now. We've done Zodiac. Um, uh, we did Panic Room in the yes. last seven mm-hmm. days, which uh, is... Um, we're saving... Uh, Fight Club for the end. I think this is his most famous <laughs> yeah, iconic. Yeah, um, Panic Room, tw- two thousand and two. Jodie Foster, Kristen, yeah. Kristen Stewart. Um, it was great. It was fantastic. I I don't know if I've mentioned. We also watched The Game, starring Michael Douglas. Um, it's okay. a little known one. I think it's from ninety six or ninety seven. I don't remember, but it's very very um very good. Mm-hmm. It's like it's one that's forgotten. But apparently Finch is not proud of it. Um, but, um, you know, if you're a Fincher fan, um, I'd say give it a go. It's pretty good. Um, but uh, Panic Room was um, fantastic. Um, Forrest Whitaker um, plays a good guy, bad guy kind of mm-hmm. thing. A uh, bad guy who's got the heart of gold, basically. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. Um, mm. Fincher, yeah. Um, and... Uh, also, you know, I'm going through '90s classics that yeah. I've shameless, shamefully haven't seen. Shawshank Redemption, haven't seen that, and saw it for the first time a few days ago. But because you first, when you first came out, you, it wasn't that appropriate. For well, your age. well, I yeah, well apparently when it came out, the school didn't never. I watched it in school. A couple did you? Of times. Oh, yeah. okay. So it came out. This film, obviously, guys, um, came out in 1992. I think. That's the year we arrived Australia. Oh, really? I might be wrong with that date, but anyway, um, obviously one of the most, uh, IMDb rates the best rated film in history. Yes. Shawshank Redemption. Uh Um, Really sad. Uh, It reminded me of Forrest Gump with the voiceover, with the decades, you know, decades. progress Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, Morgan Freeman's voiceover. Uh um, And the music is very, very Forrest Gump. It's like sweet, sad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, brilliant movie. It's it's like extremely, extremely poignant kind of Mm -hmm. film. Yes. Um, Cried when the when the um, when Tim Robbins' character puts on opera through the loudspeakers in the Mm. um, prison. That was the biggest tear jerking moment for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, exquisite ending. Brilliant. Yeah. You know that Tom Cruise was also given asked to try the try out the role for Tim Robbins. Really? Can you believe that? No, I, I can't, can't see. Tom, I, don't, I can't yeah, see Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise that yeah, role. he's too. He's too handsome. <laughs> no, he's. I, I don't see him in that role at yeah. all because he's pretty much typecasted into that kind of Ethan Hunt, alpha yeah, exactly. male. Yeah, he wouldn't have worked. Yeah, he wouldn't yeah. have worked. There were a lot of people who actually. Um, um, audition for do, that. yeah oh, well okay. given the role um, 
um, Harrison Ford was also okay. Turned it down. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, but I think Tim Robbins. Yeah, Tim Robbins has it. Yeah, he's got a good facial. Yeah, yeah. You kind of not. You kind of. You kind of think at the beginning, did he kill his wife? Maybe he did, and then yeah. Yeah, there's an ambiguous yeah, feeling, feeling to from him. His yeah, face. yeah, exactly. He's very tall as well. Yeah. He's like over six foot tall. Uh-huh. Reminds me of another prison film. Yeah, we we love prison films. Um, no, I don't actually. Green something. Green Mile. The Green Mile. Yes, Green Mile. Oh that's yeah, right. that's like a problematic yeah. film. That's a very problematic yeah. film. I haven't. Yeah. I actually haven't seen it in a while. Uh-huh. But uh, also another uh, another Stephen King book. So Shawshank Redemption was like a Stephen yes. King short story that was adapted. Uh-huh. But yeah, Green Mile. Green everything. Green anything. The Green anything is problematic. The Green Book problematic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It talks about so much like racial. Yeah. Racial implications. Yeah. What's another movie with the green? Isn't there the green? Uh, um, isn't there a superhero movie called The Green Something? Green Lantern. Yeah, The Green Lantern with <laughs> Ryan Reynolds or something, right? I don't know. Bad reviews from the, oh, okay. the, that series, so I never really watched it. Okay. So even even my my husband, who's like a geeky buff, yeah, he said that he he wouldn't even watch that Green right. Lantern. And yours, cultural um, consumption. Okay, so this week um, I have a small uh, story, background story to what I consumed this week. Over last weekend, I was listening to a, po- a Taiwanese podcast between an obstetrician, Wooten writer, mm. and her media friend. So they they had this podcast called Wu Painting Liao, which she talks about female issues and her from her perspectives as a doctor mm-hmm. um, but then lately she starts sharing her personal stuff because at the beginning of the year she went through her own divorce so she talks about her feelings she kind of opened up which is very rare for her because she's a very intro, in, in, introvert person and then uh, along that episode she says something remind me of a, a song back in the 90s she said 过去就让他过去的 like uh, let the past, past be, be stay gone. in the past. Yeah, stay in the past because people had asked her, because because her divorce was a very peaceful divorce. Okay, there wasn't any affairs. There wasn't any arguments about finance. Uh-huh. They're all financially independent. Uh-huh. Her ex husband was is a doctor as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, so people had asked her, well, what happened to you? you yeah, know, what happened to you guys? People want salacious yeah. stories. People want something that's a reason. Yeah, 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 she just said that. Oh, we just. We just fall apart. We yeah. we don't love each other anymore. Yeah. Um, but at times that she feel like oh she feel like there's a little bit of regret in it. Like should should I have worked right. harder yeah. to maintain this relationship? Yeah. But then she, uh, during the her conversation, she said that oh just let the past be gone. And it reminded me of a song that which contained the re- lyrics of let the past be gone. And I looked up, I spent an hour, you know how you have that moment yeah, and you, times that you want yeah, to look yeah, for it course. because yeah, you yeah. remember the rhythm yeah. of that piece of song but you can't remember the title and the full story of the song. Uh-huh. Anyway, I spent an hour googling up and then I found that Taiwanese singer who um, sang the song which is called Tempting Heart. And the lyrics is very heartbreaking because it talks about breakup, let the past be gone. Uh, it's too late to like you from the beginning again. Mm. Yeah, like I will cry if the song start playing now. Mm. 
and I, I was just thinking, okay, I he I heard this song before, and I can't remember where it was it from. Yeah. And then I looked up again. <laughs> See, my time was wasted. <laughs> when you are so like you've been possessed because yeah. that you feel like oh, I have to look oh, yeah, it up exactly. because I it was in your memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually, it was uh, it was a movie that is based on the same title, Tempting Heart, starring Takeshi Kaneshiro. Yeah, and it's a Hong Kong Japanese film. Talks about depicting a love triangle from high school mm -hmm. and all the way in their forties, and it was such. And I I looked up and I said, okay, I'm gonna spend next two hours like in in, in the evening when I had nothing to do to watch this film. Mm -hmm. um, it took me like two evenings because I couldn't go through the whole movie. I remember watching that film for the first time before I before I was 20, like mm -hmm. this is before I was 20, and now watching it again when I'm in my 40s. 40. Yeah, amazing. It so feels so different. Well, how, how was it different? Because um, for anyone who's interested, I highly recommend this film, Tempting Heart. The Chinese, Chinese title is called Shindong. So starring Takeshi Kaneshiro and Gigi Lan and Mon Monica, Monica Mok, I think, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, that sounds a Hong Kong name. Yeah, Hong Kong name. Yeah, she's a Hong Kong um, singer and act actress. Because when I was younger, when I watched that film, I was so totally immersed in that love relationship when they were in high school. Well, like and and love triangle. I'm guessing it's triangle. one girl and two guys. No, uh, two girls. The two girls were best friends. And one guy. And one guy. Oh, I like that. I yeah. prefer that because I don't. I don't like those stories like two guys and a girl. It's like. Ugh. And you really can see that the struggles between two girls that they want to maintain their own friendship, friendship yeah, over yeah. a guy yeah, yeah. who eventually the guy chooses one of, one, them. one of them. Yeah. And the other one who wasn't chosen, yeah. you later found out she's actually bi and she actually had a theme, yeah. had a theme for her Absolutely. female friend as well. Not, 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 not surprised at all. And, when I, and later in life, that um, spoiler alert, if anyone who hasn't seen it but um, the triangle kind of continues into their later life and when I was younger I keep thinking why do a certain person when they become younger do that when they're in their 40s like oh it's so bad what they're doing it's they they don't consider other people's mm -hmm. feelings but now as a person who is in their 40s and I feel like oh they have their own reason like I'm more, I feel more empathetic yeah, about their older, the older character. Yeah, it's just such a good film, and the music is so good. I think that's the main thing because of that song. Um, it it really breaks your heart because someone, eventually, um, disappears in this world. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. where can we watch that movie? I have. <laughs> well, not the legal way, but. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, if anyone can find it, some people say that it is streaming on Disney Plus oh, in really? Asian regions, oh, Captain Heart, but okay. yeah, I, I'll try oh. to find. Like, they really have to show and stream these 90s Hong Kong movies on streaming platform because it's so good. 1999. Yeah, it's 1999. Yeah. Best, one of the best film years ever. 1999. Yeah, that's Matrix. It's, it's so funny because I've heard podcasters saying that all the good things happens in the 90s. Yeah, but of course. Every, yeah. Well, the music and the film. Yeah, well, everything pre-9-11. Pre pre, yeah. 
yeah. life was different. That's why um that's why you've got mail is such a great film. Mm. Pre nine eleven New York mm-hmm. fantasy. Oh, yeah. just the best. And so funny. There's a lot of nuance in that movie um, because it's all her, it's the um, female character's first love, and of course Takeshi. And you know that I was he was my yeah. huge idol yeah. when I was growing up as yeah. well. Helen yeah. was obsessed with him. And in the movie, that the subsequent uh, partner she had also resembles her first love like right. long hair right. sharp jaw yeah so it's it's um it's the impact of the first person that you've fallen for that yes. kind of have influence of your later yeah. relationships yeah 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 so that was well the fact we're very famous actors sylvia chang famous Gigi yes. Leung. So Sylvia Chen is the director for this yeah, film. Yeah, and she made numerous um, yes. films about females. And there is a film that I'm yet to watch. It's called 20, 30, and 40. So it depicts oh, stories yeah. of women in their 20s and their 30s. Oh, and I'd 40s. like to watch that. Yeah, that would be a good film to watch. Oh, yeah, here from 2004. Mm. 20, 30, 40. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've got to yeah. go on a Sylvia Chen um Oh, filmography we should, we should. Yeah. once a week yeah well, let's do that hard yeah the premises starts from sylvia chen as playing the older character of the young girl oh right reminiscing yes. Yes, about yes. her love life yeah, yeah. and want to make it into a movie yeah. and she was having a conversation with this screenwriter uh-huh. and they kind of like having a back and forth oh, yeah. about the story that she wants to create yeah yeah and the young screenwriter is kind of giving her questions like about the stories that she was presenting yeah. like oh why was she like that why was he like that should we feel more empathetic about yeah. the gu- the man, the guy's choice yeah 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 and it was such a good thing that it's almost like a therapy session you yeah. think about you talk about your past yeah. relationship yeah, yeah yeah and then people giving you a different perspective yeah yeah i love that yeah. so that happens in the film that happens in the oh, film right, right. yeah so it's pretty Did good. Your partner watch it? With no, you? Oh, no, okay, my husband yeah. didn't watch it with me. That's okay. I, I think he watched just... it. He watched it. Like we watched it a couple of times when I was younger, when we were younger. But I don't think that he remembers that much. Yeah. Yeah. But it's 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 a very great film. Yeah, Tempting Heart. Um, just one last thing before we wrap up these conversations. Um, I like what you said about you know, getting older and feeling less judgy about people mm-hmm. or like just knowing um that people have their reasons and yes. for that to like, be okay mm-hmm. kind of letting people have their own private reasons and letting the fact that you might not know um specifically be okay often mm. because we we don't know ourselves why we do That's the things right. we do you know yes. um the heart is a curious mysterious thing what's mm-hmm. the quote something like that um and it reminds me of um you know, it's kind of related to our conversation last week when I talked about Kate Lake's book, uh, Infidelity and Other mm-hmm. Affairs. Okay, did okay. I talk about that last yes, week? Yes, yes, yeah. Um, so, um, right now, I feel like, uh, yeah, um, I, I'm, I guess I'm still, like, relatively young. Not too young, but, like, um, I'm still kind of not... I haven't spent decades living mm. um, to understand things like infidelity and why people do what they do, you know. Um, and um, I'm still right now in in the of the mindset that um, I just can't believe anyone would cheat. Like, to me, that is, like, just so absolutely black and white wrong. Mm. Um, that's my opinion. Um, I just think um, lying um, is one of 
it's just like a really um, unjustifiable, um, morally bad thing, right? Mm. Um, and lying to the your your most important person. Yeah, you, most you know? intimate. Yeah, most person in Yeah, exactly. Um, but I remember a few years ago. Um, I often talk about Barbara on this podcast. My, you know, a woman who in her eighties came into my life when I was in my early twenties. Um, and profoundly affected me and how I see the world she spent a lot of years with her spent mm-hmm. a lot of like would go on the weekends to have breakfast with her and her husband Barbara was her name um, and she um, she and I we used to go to movies together sometimes oh, nice. so we went to see a movie I believe it's called four or something about four quartets or something and it's a movie about um, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman ah, um, and where he it. is in a, um, a quartet uh-huh. with his what wife does he play? He plays second violin, or he plays viola. I forget. <laughs> I should look it up right now um, and tell you the name of it because I would I feel love. Like he he will be better playing viola. Yeah, yeah. because viola players are. Um, um, well, yeah, we all know they're. A yeah, his appearance type. fits more into viola. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just googling. Oh, so it's called a late quartet, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, a film starring. Um, uh, Catherine Keener as well uh, and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Christopher Walken is in the film oh, as well okay. it's directed by names. yeah it's directed by Yaron Zilberman uh-huh. don't know what year did the so movie it came out? out in 2013 <gasps> okay um, so I went to see this with um, Barbara at the cinemas uh-huh. and so there's a plot line in the film where Philip Seymour Hoffman cheats on his wife mm-hmm. Catherine's, Catherine Keener's um, character yeah, yeah. and um in the end, they patch things up. She forgives mm-hmm. him. Um, I distinctly remember me coming out and talking to the to, talking about the film with Barbara. Yeah. So I was like twenty five. Barbara wow. was like eighty six, wow. I think. Uh-huh. And I was just full of anger. I was just like, yeah. uh-huh. "This is ridiculous. Why did she take him back? Like, mm-hmm. um, why do people cheat? It's fucked up." And Barbara just like, kind of was like, just very kind of like. I think she, uh, now that I look back, she had someone who had the face who wanted to say something to me, but just let me be, and she didn't mm-hmm. say what she really wanted mm-hmm. to say. But she, she had that air of like, people do things, and like it's not the end of the world, you know. Mm-hmm. You, kind of like you haven't been in marriage for fifty years, Jess. You don't yeah, know what it's right. like, yeah. you know. She, she was much more compassionate and mm-hmm. kind of like non-judgy about the characters, yeah. And like it just. Like, it kind of made me just remind me that, you know, like, when we're older, we, we will probably have conversations with our grandkids and laugh mm-hmm. at them, thinking, you're so naive, you have no <laughs> idea how easy it is to cheat on people, or whatever, you know? It's like, yeah. And, and also, Barbara told me, um, just on the topic of cheating, mm-hmm. Barbara told me um, one of her friends in her, when they were um, in their 60s, one of her good female friends... Um, she was cheated on by her husband mm. and um, towards her end of her life she her husband actually said oh um, I just want to let you know um, I was I've been unfaithful to you um, oh she only during, found out yeah towards very, the end of, yeah yeah oh um, and then the the wife was actually really angry she was like why did you tell me I don't mm. want to know you should have just yes. kept it a secret yes you should have just kept me out of like yeah now my yeah. life is shittier because of this knowing yes uh-huh. so it just you know it just Made me think about these things differently. I feel like the husband did that because he wants... To unload. Closure. Yeah, he wants yeah. to exonerate wants, himself, yeah, right? Yeah, he wants to feel better himself. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. he's 
Yeah, I'll be angry with that as well. So are you saying yeah. if your partner cheated, you would rather him not tell you? No, I think not at my deathbed. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I know. It's like, I know. How cruel. My how cruel. Yeah. yeah. We were going to talk about resilient. Do we? Do you want to go on to do, talk about resilient um, <laughs> this week? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were. We were just on the on the subject of resilient last weekend. Like how different uh, of res, uh, kids' resilience back in our days and the resilience now. Like what's resilient for us when we were younger. Um, well, resilience so is such a pop word these days. Yeah, yeah. I know and. On our phone conversation last week, after we recall, I told you that the resilient structure is so different compared to our own childhood now, because everyone's getting rewards, like in primary school, everyone's getting participation awards, there's really no a definite competition between each other. I mean, there's still a competition, obviously, and then um, I found such a big differences when my child came home one day and told me that... Uh, they don't call it detention anymore. You know, when we were younger, yeah, they yeah. call it detention where they isolate a child somewhere else in the classroom or a prison. For punishment. For kind of like a reprimand. Yeah, punishment. Reprimand, yeah. yeah. What do and they call it now? They call it reflection. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know you can laugh loud, loud? <laughs> oh, God, I'm on the floor right now. Reflection. Yeah, they call it reflection. <laughs> Sounds like some like segment of a um, yoga retreat. You know, one hour of reflection time, silence, meditation. They're gonna call it meditation in ten years time. Know, so my jaw dropped on the floor when she told me that. I'm like, okay, so what do they do in reflection? She goes, nothing. It's just the same. They just change the name to not sound as bad because detention is bad. Yeah, it's wow. a bad word. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What are they going to call it? Jail? <laughs> Meditation. I, I, solitary confinement. Solitary time. I, I, I understand that you, they want to create a, a space that is... More positive. More positive, exactly. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. positive for kids that yeah, they okay. don't feel bad about themselves because yeah. you do go into a cycle that, like, we all know that um, there's a statistic of criminals that the re uh, reoffend chances are right, higher yeah. if they're going not, to jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah of they, course. If they don't if they haven't gone through, you know, some sort of mentoring or yeah, rehab, yeah. Yes, um, yes, yes. Rehabilitation. Yeah. Procedures. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if changing the name actually does anything. Does anything yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're not really changing the structure yeah. of doing things. Differently. Yeah. To differently. correct the behaviour. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. And, well, has your daughter ever gone into reflection? Well, she hasn't, but she just um, she doesn't understand why, you know. Did you ever have detention? No. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm sure I swear I have because I didn't do my homework or some shit like that. It is quite boring. Um, yeah. I was such a, like, an obedient um, Asian. Yeah, of course you were. Girl, yeah. that was growing up. Yeah, yeah. That annoyed me a lot. And um, when I tried to rebel, I feel like... Okay, this is... I'm just sharing the part of my own experience now. When I try to rebel, I feel like it crashes me so bad. And even though that I didn't do things that was worth 
than any other you know naughty kids in school because I can vividly remember this is when I was in year, year 11 or year 10 I was chewing gum in math class mm. and my white female teacher who was like the head of math um, you know how teachers have a certain image of Asian kids and when you did some I'm pretty sure all teachers are biased you know when everyone's biased yeah and I, I think a lot of teachers are extremely biased that they expect Asian kids to be uh, extremely good to be, yes yeah, well, yeah. I was just chewing gum and I think I was just trying to be a little bit rebellious and then she was just so loud she yelled at me and goes oh Helen get up and go and you know uh, spit your uh, gum right now and she made me like stood up in the middle of the class yeah and I can so vividly remember, I just feel so ashamed. Yeah. Fucking chewing gums. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. We, I think um, I think we all have been violated somehow um, mm. by a teacher. Not f- physically, emotionally, you know, yeah. Like, high school is a very traumatic time for yes, a lot of us. Yeah, it's a fucked up system. Yeah. If you're not, like, a fucking normie, like, an extroverted mm. normie, you find it hard. Yeah. I found yeah. it hard. It was such a hard time to find a balance. And I found it boring, actually, but go on. Well, coming back to resilient, um, yeah, some people, like older people are saying that the kids are now less resilient. You know, the changing environment, that's definitely, like, I can understand, you know. Yeah, it's so hard to find a balance to teach kids resilience now, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel like um, there's so much buffering you know, mm-hmm. trying to cushion their falls. Yeah, and there's a lot of clash of cultures too. Yeah. Because, um, like I said, a lot of schools are giving a, a lot of awards. You know, you get an award for participation. Is that even an award? You get an award for breathing. <laughs> yeah, you get an award for full attendance. Yeah, well, yeah, we used to have that yeah, too. to show up. Our brother got the best <laughs> attendance award in primary school. <laughs> because that's the reason that our mum forces us to go to school, which is right. why it was sick or not. Sick. <laughs> yeah, and I was just thinking, okay, so where does kids learn resilience now? Because... Well, what, what yeah. does being resilient mean in your definition? I think it's the ability to stand up again when you have challenges yeah the ability not to um react badly yeah and i think uh i want to talk about this because i'm experiencing through you know my, my youngest child who's 10 and she's processing through a lot of you know challenges yeah in her well, it's life. hard to be 10 yeah i know I, I and you feel for her yeah and then sometimes you know culture clashes and my husband is tend to be a bit more conservative person he's like oh you have to be hard on kids so they learn but you feel for the kids yeah. because you don't want to go through like the second time from trauma, trauma yeah. yeah for yourself as yeah, well yeah absolutely and at the same time i see a lot of um particularly asian parents mm. telling me that oh why are they giving awards to every kid yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah, the asian yeah. moms that i sometimes i hang around with or hearing stories that they say that it's so strange that all the kids are getting awards then there's no yeah. point of giving out awards yeah, yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like um, if everyone gets an Oscar, an Oscar doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah. this conversation um, has been had for decades. It's nothing new, you know, mm-hmm. we want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was studying um, education during my uni days, um, yeah, I had, I remember um, one of our lecturers said um, the reason why America is such a, like, um, 
is so low in terms of like academic marks mm-hmm. um, in compared to Scandinavian and Asian countries is because um, in America every tiny little thing you do as a kid um, the teacher commends you like even if you get 50% of the class you get commended whereas like in, in Korea this is a white lecturer who said this he mm-hmm. was like in Korea if you you know you don't get praised for just getting 50 you know mm-hmm. like he said there's a culture of overpraising people um, mm-hmm. and kind of like um yeah, like uh, the bar in America for applauding someone uh, or giving them a credit or credit credit um, is way lower than it is in like Asian countries. And I think there's this <clears throat> hierarchy of social differences of who is being praised as well because there's a def- default image of uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to explain it, but trying to explain it in the graphic sense that. You know how people expect Asian students, they always have to achieve 90%. And if they don't achieve 90%, they don't get praise. Whereas perhaps there's a stereotypical image of maybe a white student. And if they can achieve 60%, they get a praise. Yeah. yeah. I, wow. I know. Yeah. It sounds a bit racist here. But I feel like because Asian students in Western countries have already achieved, you know, academically above a lot of people and they might feel like um well if you don't get 90 percent like what are you you know that's that's a very discriminatory idea obviously but i i I feel like it it does happen and um i don't know where to go from here because kids nowadays um yeah can i ask why do you think um resilience is so important why has it become such a buzzword um mm, I think it's mostly the challenges that we're getting is just gonna get more and more. Not just environmentally, it's financial as well. And the world is like I want you to see it from a positive point of view, but the world is not really getting better. Like from my very pessimistic pessimistic yeah. um position. Um, that's why I guess resilient is very important for kids because you need to stand up. You can't you can't just be hit by one challenge and never gets up. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Yeah, what I agree. Think? About resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your definition of resilience is spot on. I'd, I'd probably just say the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to stand up um, when you fall. Yeah, when mm-hmm. any kind of blows in life, you just get up and and then the ability to pick yourself up mm-hmm. the ability to I think it's the ability to know how to pick yourself up yes. you know yeah. like um and and knowing knowing how to pick yourself up what 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 are the things in your life that make you happy or like remind mm-hmm. you of your strength yes. and then being resourceful and like mm-hmm. knowing where to access those resources yeah. you know yeah. that 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 for me is um being resilient um and i think it comes back to the relationship you have with yourself and so like the self-talk right mm-hmm. so i feel like um i don't know how other people see me but i feel like internally my relationship with myself and this is you know thanks to 10 years of therapy 10 mm-hmm. 15 years of therapy um i feel internally that I am quite resilient and I think it has something to do with my actually it might not be a positive thing but it might be something to do with my sense of self and how much I tie it in with achievements 
So like I feel like when I get bogged down, I do tend to get, I too tend to pick myself up rather quickly. Only because like I feel like I need to prove to the world that I'm valuable in some way.、Mm-hmm. You know,、um, there are different aspects of my life that are different, but I'm just specifically talking about my like writing、mm-hmm. or like the the work that I do that means stuff to me. You know,、mm-hmm. um, resilience, like.、Um, Being able to kind of just like self-talk healthily—that's what、mm-hmm. I feel like resilience is. It's like、mm-hmm. the, the ability to talk to yourself in a very compassionate way,、mm-hmm. and to say like,、um, "It's okay that this has happened."、Um, doesn't re- doesn't mean you're less of a person.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then saying, "Okay, let's try again." There's every day. Let's try again.、Yeah. You know? Yeah, and also that you're talking on an individual. Point of view, I think the community is very important in the sense of resilience as well. Because not a lot of people, not many people, like what you said, have have the resources to shift their mentality into that direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly.、Yes. Yeah, I was, I've, I am where I am because I had the financial means to、mm-hmm. seek a therapist. Yeah, I don't know where I would be without a therapist.、Yes. Honestly, I, if、mm-hmm. I hadn't had those two hundred plus hours. Of talking out my fucking trauma、mm. with someone with a professional, I I definitely would not be where I am today.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think think therapy is going to become like a necessity, necessity for a lot of people's life. It's almost like food and water. Yeah, I really hope so. I really like、yeah. I um and and maybe maybe um when I say therapy, like I um. Just like the the ability to have the、um, a space where you can safely talk, talk through,、yes. it's talk, it's talking that really has really、But、changed things for me. Yeah, yeah. like yeah.、Um, talking out your problems and、yeah. your feelings over the period of years、uh-huh. to a professional. Yeah, so that's that's the way that's where I'm saying about the community. You have to、yeah. have someone who actually absorbs. And understand、yeah. you and give you feedback. Or, yeah, you know, just listen or sit、yeah. there to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's so important. Rather than, yeah, reflection and detention, you just sit there. <laughs> you don't get anyone to talk to those kids. Yeah, yeah. You know who did something? Maybe they didn't consider he was naughty. Yeah. So, I wonder how that's gonna change. I I know schools have improved in the sense that they you know have counselors throughout the years. To assess kids, yeah, 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 but I don't know how much that they're doing for、um, the social and economically more disadvantaged schools. Yeah, I I feel like they're not doing enough. Yeah, so it it needs to be have a、um, structural change rather than just changing the word. Yeah, yeah. I remember um. My teaching career started in two thousand and ten, two thousand nine, and then like the the and、um, where when I the I remember the year when I started paying attention, okay, to the rhetoric around education and pedagogy, and it was like two thousand and twelve. I was teaching at a private girls' school in、yes. the eastern suburbs、uh-huh. of Sydney, and um um that was like kind of my full first full time gig. And that was when I had to start attending all the PD days, you know, professional、oh, development days.、Yes. And that was when I first noticed the word resilience. And the question that would be inevitably asked for the next decade, every time we went into a PD development day session, it was the question was that was asked to us teachers was how do we prepare our students for a world in which we don't know 
you know, mm-hmm. for the future. The unknown. Which, which I think is a kind of fig- metaphorical way of saying how do we teach a world with technology that we ourselves don't understand mm-hmm. you know and we know as you know um mm-hmm. our kids call us boomers you know mm-hmm. your, your 17 year old son <laughs> called us boomers and we're like 40 we're 30s 40 year olds yeah but yeah like kids um and and you know if, if you're a listener and you're not a teenager you know that kids are way more tech savvy yeah, they're they're like um they're um technology natives, whereas we are not. You know, we're lucky we didn't grow like, up with yes, technology. Thank God. Yes. But yeah, I think this idea of like resilience and um I think the word resilience and the the kind of the pedagogical questions that teachers are asking, how do we teach it, our kids to be more resilient, is somehow tied in also to the conversation of like technology and how do we prepare our kids for a world in which we ourselves. Don't understand. Yeah, we don't understand. And we're not going to be in. Yeah. It's almost like we need to learn, relearn the resilient, um, relearn the resilient as an older adult as well. Yeah. Because we don't know. There will be a lot of things throughout technology advancements that we, do, we are not prepared for as well. And, I, and also, I, I want to say, I get it. I guess I get the fear that adults mm. would be... Um, staying up all night thinking about because like um, a lot of problems that um, our kids our younger students are experiencing are things we didn't experience ourselves like for example porn yes you know porn um, online bullying cyber bullying of social media yeah all those things like our kids younger people are experiencing Mm. I I get it how I get the anxiety of like not knowing how Mm. to keep our students and our kids safe when you yourself have no idea mm-hmm. the sort of extremities yes. of what they are bombarded with. Yes. That's why a lot of schools are like introducing cyber um, like safety you know, workshops. I know my kids that have gone through. Um, 15 years ago was um, drug safety. Yeah, and, now, and, and, and now pregnancy. Now yeah, pregnancy. And now it's, it's cyber safety Yeah, because it's such an unknown territory for a lot of parents out there and it's resilient wise like how do you pick up because um we are seeing the harm that social media and the accessibility of internet done for kids i mean we need to see that oh it is helping kids you know social interactions and things like that but what about the dark side of it like yeah absolutely i mean we're seeing the radical right wieners they're recruiting you know people and young people on on, online on reddit and q and on and whatever and you know the the rise of you know trumpism isn't doing a very positive thing to the world as well so yeah wow that's that's such a big topic i i I think we can extend that conversation to to much further but i think we'll yeah, I think I'll end here. Yeah, 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 too much. Yeah. Um, but I'd be curious to learn, um, hear from our listeners. You know, DM, DM us, shoot us a message. Tell yes. us what you think about this whole resilience debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's nice to yeah open up our minds and we would like to know what you think of it. Yes. Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google and Apple and give us a five-star rating. If you would like to support us, what we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under, head to Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week in Jesse's place, and we'll chat to you next time. 
Happy Easter. Happy Easter. We didn't mention Easter. <laughs>